Um, thank you guys so much for coming. This is our third, third, third unstitched. And I'm really, really excited for this one. And this one came about because um, when I've been asking, you know, does anyone have any questions or whatever on my Instagram, I get a lot of questions from young designers. And they were asking me, you know, how did you get into the stores that you sell Tibby to? What, you know, and I started thinking, I was like, well, you know, I went in the yellow pages. And, and then I thought, you know what, my answers are going to be a little bit dated, because I started this in 97. And I think it's best to hear it from the horse's mouth. And so I have bought, brought three of the, the most amazing women first. Um, and I, we just, we love you guys so much. Thank you just really for being partners for so long. And, um, but these are women who own specialty stores in America. They are all from different regions. So we've got Wendy down here, and she is with Kick Pleat, which is in Austin, Texas. And it's an incredible store. Um, you walk in, and besides shopping, you also just want to take a nap. It's, <laughs> it's so like calm and beautiful and just very, very serene. And then we've got Stacy here, and she is from Charleston, South Carolina. And she has a store called Hampton. And um, she just opened a new one, like, she keeps birthing stores. And basically, if you go to Charleston, Stacy now owns, like, half of the whole town now are all, like, <laughs> Stacy stores. I think we have four, four locations now. And so each store has a different identity, and it is... Um, a th you will not nap there. And it's very different than Wendy's store. And... Um, but... It's different and um, loud, exciting. I mean, you've got like Stacy running around and she might be Instagramming something and then running up and posting something online. Um, so it's a really, really fun place. And then you've got Sherry with uh, McMullen in Oakland and she just opened up in Palo Alto. And she has a, an incredible store. And her store has more of like a modernist bent to it, I think. You know, you she's got... Um, brands that, I mean, Tibby and everything, but then some things that might be a little more avant-garde or a little more, um, you know, modern. So we've got three different stores and then one brand that sells at all these different stores. And so what I want to let these women really share with you guys tonight is what it's like running a business and how is it that young designers get their attention in a you know, world, if, if there, I mean, I know that there are a lot of young designers out here or new designers, old designers that have started new brands. And you're just wondering, how do I get attention now? You know, there's so many brands out there. I will say there are at least probably a thousand more brands than when I started uh, Tibby. So um, I am going to start talking to you guys now about, and Stacey, since you're in the middle, I'll start with you. Um, but why don't you... Tell me first, what, what are the things that you look for when you are bringing on a new designer in the store? Hi, guys. I'm so excited you're here. Thank y'all. Um, and I'll say y'all. Um, <laughs> um, well, I have like over, I think it's at, we're at like 90 brands at this point. Um, everything from like Ghani and Stina Goya and Rodebeer to John Batista Valley and um, Carolina Herrera and 
um, Proenza and Tibby. So um, we have a broad spectrum. So really for me, it's about having a point of view, being very clear about who you are, what you want, and what do you want to say. So, so many people, I will say, I, Sherry and I both started our career at Neiman Marcus, um, buying for them, and um, it's been interesting the past couple years to see, I'm not very good with this microphone, um, the past couple years to see the evolution of the department stores, because I think um, they tend to tell designers what they think is important and a huge and they tend to push a young designer in a direction and say you need to do this in order to be successful you need to do that and while some of their advice is great I think that it often strips away the identity of who the designer truly is and uniqueness and a point of view is so important so I feel like oftentimes the specialty stores are looking for something very different than the department stores we're looking for newness and maybe that crazy pant that yes no one needs in their closet but that's why we got into this and why we started our own store is to wear something cool and try something different and wear a leather culotte you know and um so i would say it's it's so hard because you want to still make stuff that's going to sell and um there is a fine line there and i feel like you know amy maybe you can speak to that point of view but there is um i would say one thing that um, that some designers don't do enough of is like having a core collection. Like if you find something that works for you, like keep kind of redoing it because it'll make you money while you're trying out the fun fantasy stuff. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, to that point of point of view, that was, um, my really, my biggest regrets when my first like 12 years of, of doing Tibby was I came from an advertising background and you know what you do in advertising is you do focus groups and you really listen to everyone and what I realized with design is you can't listen to everyone and you have to choose you know you do need to listen to someone it's good to have other people outside your head but you need to choose who you're going to listen to and so when I was describing these three women and their three different stores this is very much what I've chosen for our world of Tibby. So if someone has a store that has a really different look and feel, I don't try and, you know, find like, well, maybe I'll just put sequins all over it and it will sell for you. Like, you just have to let it go and say, I choose your three stores and then three is enough. And then you find the stores like that look like this in America and then you find them in Europe and you find them in Asia, but you don't you know, really like three is enough. Like the TV show eight is enough. Like this is three is enough. I just dated myself again with the yellow book. Like, <laughs> you're like what is that TV show? Yeah. Sherry, tell me what you look for. Well, I, I just want to echo what, what Stacy said because we started with the department stores um, and they have a completely different model. So, you know, they're buying based on a model. So it's, you know, five SKUs of this, and it's, you know, 20 dresses, and it has to be this color and that color. And they're looking at all these historical things. And although it was a great background for me, it was, a, you know, it was, it was great to have that under my belt. I was dying to get out of that environment and to start my own because I wanted to bring in these designers who have a point of view and who are also, like, telling a story through their work. I mean, there are three designers that, that are here, young designers, Yara and Christopher, um, that I, I love and adore, 
and I'm really excited about what you all are doing and what you all are creating. And you've also stayed true to what you're doing. Um, and I think that's so important. It's like, don't listen to what these big box stores are saying. And they're like, oh, we need 20 sweaters from you in you know, Celadon and gray and give me five black ones if that doesn't speak to you for the season. If it doesn't speak to you, then you shouldn't be creating it. If you cannot see the woman that you're designing for in your collection, then don't design it because someone is telling you that you should design it, you know? And I would also say that you should, you should always be thinking about the woman that you're designing for. So as much as like you, you all are these creatives and these artists and you have these amazing ideas, which I'm also really drawn to too, because I'm, you know, I'm like, I love that, that is beautiful. But we're also thinking about the business. So can we sell that, you know? At the end of the day, we want to have product that we can sell in the store. Obviously that speaks to the customer and the customer is changing every day and it's changed so much over the last few years. But is she, where is she wearing that product? Does she have, is it part of her lifestyle? Is it something that's gonna take her, you know, something that she's gonna love in her closet for years to come? Um, so there's just so much to that. But always just stay true to, to what you're doing and, um, and your work and your craft. But also think about the wearability, really important. So Wendy, what gets your attention? Like, I'm sure you must get I mean, do you just, do you get like hundreds of emails a day from new designers? Yes, I do. Um, what gets my intention? I, I mean, it's gut and instinct really. And I want to be inspired and I want it to look different than what I have. I always say I like everything in the store. I personally wouldn't wear everything in the store, but I can, I can really see it, feel it, taste it for my customer. Um, at Kickpleat, we know people's names, we clientele. We wouldn't be able to thrive and succeed in today's world without clienteling. There could be no one in the store, and I always say the elves are working in the back. People are sending images, we are sending emails, we're contacting people, we're reminding people when something comes in, we're looking, looking who likes Tibby when it arrives. Mm -hmm. That's why deliveries are so important. We have to, you know, keep it moving, keep it churning, keep it coming online. It's all together. So, um, so how does someone like? I mean, if you're getting so many emails and everything, yes. like, yeah, it's it's uh, challenging. Do you even open? Can so you open I, all of them? Like I will how? say, I open every email. I don't respond to every email because I would die. I've had designers be like, "Come on, Wendy, that's not cool." Like, just say you're not interested if you're not interested. And I'm like, okay, I hear that. And sometimes I'll be like, we're in it together. I'm just going to say this isn't going to work, you know. Yeah, like a little sad face. Emoji. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say if I don't get an image in an email, I'm like, no. Yeah. If you're not going to give the time to give me your images. And the other thing I will say in the modern era, don't give me an email this long. Like, you know, I, I will scroll through. Every, where are those pictures? And I'll be like, click. Oh, you know, or I, I probably... So you guys, do you all absolutely look at pictures above any words? Like yeah. pictures tell pictures the story, yeah, right? Words, words, words. Um, I go to the images, and if it looks... And then if it looks compelling, I Google, okay? Who are these people? 
Where are they? What's their concept? What's their page look like? What does their images look like? Do our values match up? Where is it made? Who are they selling to? You know, every all, all the parts of a brand matter now. I mean, it's the same with me. Like I, I, I know that my business changed when this is what I always say. I have a staff here, so this is going to get real repetitive to her. But um, when I took the word "just" out of my business as an option, oh, just put it over there. Just you know, paint it white. You know, then it was the second I was like. There should be no just in any decision, you know, like you just really feel like everything needs just. to be thoughtful. So it's it's the kind of like high pressure moment of today's world, but it also makes you raise the bar. And, you know, my business has been open 16 years now. We have a second location in Houston. And I just feel like we turned a corner once that happened. Um, and I... You know, I'm in my 40s. I was very reticent about social media. I mean, I was even like when cell phones came out, I was like, ugh, finally had to get on board with that. Finally had to get on board with social media. So, and but now I realize like it's all integrated. You know, you really, and, and you need to be thoughtful about everything that touches your brand. Okay, so now you've got the brand in the store. Like, let's just say you guys have, you got your attention, you've written an order. What keeps the brand in your store? What, Stacey, we'll start with you. Like, what, do, what does a new oh, designer have to do to keep your business now? I feel like it's kind of the same thing, just staying inspired and moving forward. And, you know, unlike going back to our conversation, unlike the department store, um, they will come in and be like, well, pink sold last year, so we need pink again. And I'm like, well, the lady already got pink. Like, we don't need pink again. So um, continuing to move forward um, and get inspired. I but mean, I think it's about though? your inspiration. You know? Like, what's your bandwidth? Like, how long, how much leeway do you give a new designer for selling? Because it takes a while, right? Like, your customers have to be introduced to it. They have to... You know, because that was always my thing. At least three, probably four, because the fact is, we've probably already bought two or three before we even get their first shipment. So it takes a while. And then also, if you believe in them and connect with them, I would say this business is all about relationships. And fashion's a small world, so don't be mean to anybody because they will show up in the next job. You know, Um, so you really do need to connect with other people and be respectful and say. No matter what, I always tell my team, you need to be humble, hungry, and smart. You know, you can live by those words, but humility has been lost a little bit in this world and in fashion, and humility is um, the biggest thing, you know. Um, I went to SoulCycle this morning, and I was like, listen, bud, I don't know how to get on the bike. And I was like, I'm not one of those people to tell you I'm not cool. I help me get on the bike, and you know what? But some people just can't say, help me. And I think we should. I will say the bonus with specialty stores is that um, it's more with heart than a spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. I've given some brands a long, <clears throat> excuse me, a long time because I just love it. And I just know that we're going to end up teaching the customer like how awesome it is because of the drape and the fabrics and the, I mean, so sometimes I'll probably hold out. If I, I personally love something, then I'll probably hold out longer than I should. Yeah. And then suddenly be like, all right, 
this isn't good working out for anyone. I mean, sometimes a couple of years, I mean, you know, I can think of a couple in particular that I'm still like, I love you, but we can't do you, you know. Um. <laughs> I find that I sell the best, I, the product that I love the best, I sell the most of. So I'm like really passionate about it. I'm talking to my team about it. If there's some emotional connection that I have with the product or with the designer, we, t we tend to sell that product the best. So is there anything that like, what makes you love a designer more than another? Like, I, I mean, I, you're saying, like, definitely, like, some humility is is really important. Like, you don't want someone flying in being like, I'm the genius. But You know, Amy and I go way back. <laughs> 12, we do. 12 years. 12 years. Tibby is the, it's the one designer I've had at the store from the very beginning when I opened that I carry today. So we have really grown up together. And yeah, she was and 10 I, years in. Yeah, and I and it and just and I, I think this is important to say. But when you when you mentioned that when I was out in San Francisco um, a few months ago, I thought, you know, why is that? And then I realized that you know you are a woman who owns your company, and you're really doing, you're moving based on what you're feeling for. And you know, Tibby has stayed privately owned this whole time, twenty two years later, whatever. And so we're very much being. Uh, push forward by our own passions as well. You know, we're not a, we don't have a big, like, you know, artificial intelligence team telling us to do these pink things. And so it makes sense that we were on the same path that when you moved from like contemporary right. to super, like there was a whole edgy moment right. going on and now yeah, you yeah. are doing what you're doing now and, and rag and bone and exactly. And so, and now you are where you are. And I think so it makes sense that, when you, um, you know, it's funny as a designer, you're not just choosing stores to work with uh, based on, you know, how much volume they can do and everything like that. Like you really have to look at the people because these are people that you're going to spend a lot of time with and you might be sitting with them on a couch 12 years later um, drinking vodka and eating popcorn and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, Pick your partners wisely because they're going to go through good times with you and bad times. And right. I, I mean, we've had our shares of bad times for sure. Yeah, I mean, especially yes. in, you know, we opened in 2007. 2007, there was no social media. I think Facebook was at the very beginning. And we weren't even using Facebook for, for business. It was just more, I mean, there was no Instagram. So... And I don't even think we had a website. We didn't have a website at that point. So it was purely about connecting with the customer in a very organic way. Them coming into the stores and us getting, building a relationship with them. And we have clients that have been with us from the very beginning that still shop with us today and they've become our family. So much like our partners like Amy and designers that we've had in the store, you know, it's a, it's a family. We've grown together. We've seen the ups and downs. We've gone through recessions together. I mean, there were moments where I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to make another season. I've called Stacy. We have cried together because we've, we started the same year, and we met um, probably two years after we opened our business, right? They set us together a show. And it, I've been really lucky to be able to call Stacy and have someone in this industry that really understood what I was going through. And you don't, you don't have that because sometimes it's a – could be a very lonely business when you don't, when you don't have. If, if you're, if you have your business yourself and you are your own boss, 
you know, no one's going to tell you no. So who do you, your clients, you basically well, are working for your clients, right? I, I think um, that. Um, well, what are you going to do next? And you're like, hell if I know. I mean, I, but then all of a sudden you, co it comes, it comes up, like it comes to you and that's why you are where you are. But I think that even thinking about what you're talking about, Amy and stuff is like, it's, it's the ego, right? Like the ego gets involved and tells you I should. I should be selling at Neiman Marcus. I should be selling at Bergdorf. I'm not cool enough. I'm not cool unless I'm sold there. Well, I think Barney's closing is a big <laughs> F you to the department store situation. And it goes to show you there is no should anymore. So don't let your ego get involved and be like, I'm not cool because I'm not sold somewhere. Like, don't discount that I have a store in Charleston, South Carolina. People tell me all the time, that's cute. And I was like, oh, baby, that's cute. I have 10,000 square feet of retail space, and we sell all around the world. But cool. I don't know what I'm talking about, you know? And so it, there's way you can look at other stores and be like, Ugh, I want to sell here. I want to sell here. And I'm not good until I get in there. You are good. I don't care if you're sold in two stores. You're doing what you love, and that's the most important thing. Yeah, I agree. I think that, um, you know, when I started out, I remember there was this one store, and I won't mention their name, but, like, oh, my God, she used to fax us, like, every week. Like, and I could, I knew her handwriting because she would, like, use a Sharpie, and she was like, this jacket doesn't fit. Then, and, you know, like, I was like, oh, my God, I see, like, her faxes coming through. And... Um, <laughs> And it was just so one-sided for a while, you know, on the designer side. I was like, fuck, here it comes again. So I do think that, um, you know, if I could have, what I know now, and if I could go back and tell myself was just that, like, these stores, they're real people. Like, they're running a business. I'm running a business, right? So that's what I'm saying. Like, pick good people. Because if you pick good people, then we all recognize that, like, if, if we don't both win, then, like, we we die. Like, you can't win without me, and I can't win without you guys. And it really is just, um, you know, finding the people that you can sit down and have a conversation with and, and say, like, you know, Wendy, if something isn't selling, what can we switch out to? What can we, you know, what can we do to make this work? Because these are, you can see that these are all women who... Um, I don't know. I remember when I first started, the owner of Calypso, she wrote me this note, and she was like, if I choose to sell things like this, I'll let you know. And I was just like, oh, my. I know. And I mean, I'm a Scorpio. I met her on St. Bars like 20 years later, and she was like, hi. And I was like, no. I have your fucking letter that you wrote me in 1998. And... But now I've learned, you know, like, they're in business like we are, and, and they've got families like we do. And But, Wendy, like, how hard is the breakup, like, when you have to with break brands. up with a brand? Yeah. Um, it depends on how close the relationship is. You know? Sometimes it might be easy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. The, the like, writing, yeah. sometimes it's like, I always liken it to, like, a boyfriend. Like, I feel like he's been cheating on me, and he's making me break up with him. You know, kind of like that. There can be that scenario. There can be, like, I love you. It's just, we're, 
not soulmates. And, you know, there's all different kind of scenarios like that. But I think um, just directness, just like with everyone, employees, customers in the fitting room, designers, you know, and and I've been broken up with too. I mean, well, do you expect brands to come down? Like, is is that important that a designer come down to your store and really see your store and know what it's about? I think it's helpful mm-hmm. because, um, especially in Texas, because they'll be like, oh no, 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 you have to have this wool pant or yeah. <laughs> in the summertime or whatever. I'm like, no. And then and it's it's funny actually. I'll be like, no, Spring we can't. Sweater. Yeah, we can't Spring do that sweater. weight. And they're like, no, no, no. This is light. And I'm like, right. <laughs> have you been to the South in the summer? But, um, I mean, I also understand that someone from, you know, Belgium is not going to be able to travel as easily, but, um, it, it is nice when they come. It's nice to feel that support. I think the relationship is very important between the two. I, I appreciate swaps. I appreciate if there's a fit that goes wrong, taking care of it. I mean, because I can't be successful without it. And frankly, like I feel less inclined to be dedicated to the brand if I'm not equally taken care of. Um, and you know, as, but we always tell our people, like we pay people on time. We're going to be partners. We're going to show up to every market and, and we're going to be good. You know, it's, it's both of our jobs to be good to each other. Yeah, and I think, you know, for young designers out there, um, and by young, I just mean new, um, I, you know, I think that's one of the things is you really have to figure out, like, who is a good partner and who's the one that's just running you around, you know, because sometimes, like, when people do have an issue with fit or whatever, like, you really, I mean, I have to say, and I know that other designers out there can really um, relate to this, like, when someone, someone says something doesn't fit, you're just like, excuse me like you know like it really and I think that what you've really got to do is um, separate and understand like sometimes by the way you might fuck up a fit and that is true and I've learned that the hard way Um, and then second of all it might just be something to put up to a learning like oh maybe this account wants things a little bit little bit more fitted and I'm okay with that and that means that we need to alter the way that we're selling it to them and then it's up to you as a designer also to realize like okay you know what this account constantly is really unhappy with my fit and and this is my fit and it's meant to be like effortless and easy and maybe that just means as brands we're not a fit together and you need to walk away from it so um I encourage other designers out there to kind of separate themselves from it as much as possible. I would, I just can't even tell you how emotional I would get in that woman who would send those faxes, like, and she was actually the wrong fit for us. But it really, like, kind of disassociating yourself and figuring out, like, do I have a fit problem? Can my customer not lift up the arm? Or am I trying to sell an oversized jacket here and I've got a store who really wants things really skin tight and um and is oversized a trend for me or is it part of my like ethos that I'm like really eased out and relaxed and so therefore this is never going to be a fit and you and you walk away again choose your three profiles that you work with um I can't imagine working with a fourth these 
these three women have very different stories, and yet you can see like there's such a common grain between them that they're all like really um, creative, curious, clever women up here. And and you know choose um, choose the stores that you work with. And I use choose because I really when I started out, I was just like please, you know, if you just come through my door and you can write an order, I'll work with you. And and that was, I just didn't realize, like, part of it as a designer was you're choosing them as well. It's, they really don't hold all the cards. Like, you've got to choose them. You've got to be smart for your business. And, you know, really choose people to work with whose stores resonate with, like, those attributes of your brand that are the most important to you. And, you know, at Tibby, it really is like tapping into a woman who has, um, who, you know, really dresses for how she wants to communicate to the world who she is rather than how she wants the world to see a certain shape of her waist or chest line or whatever. And I think that's where you guys all intersect that for you, the woman is communicating that I am strong, I am creative, I'm smart, I'm curious, I'm clever, and not, you know, I've been working out forever and blah, blah, blah. And that's fine. Like, that exists. And some of you might have brands that really are for the woman to show every bit of her assets, and that's not our thing. Um, They're different assets but that she's showing. But really make sure that the store is connecting with you on that level you will not be successful if you don't i promise you like you won't you won't i had an interesting question on instagram and they wanted to know like what was the worst thing that a designer ever did to you did you guys ever like did you ever get like really kind of royally screwed because they were they were wanting some stories here about that I mean, I find this business very humbling. Like, it, there, there is no amount of success that I have found to date that um, keeps me away from humbling experiences. Um, and I would say that um, for me, I don't know about you guys, but basically uh, bigger, better dealing me. Like, you know, so the situation, this has happened twice actually, and one very recently, where I have a long history with a brand I spend a lot of money with a brand per year. I pay that brand on time every time. I show up for every market, no matter what part of the globe they're in. And then um, they decide to sell it to my neighbor. Major burn. Major burn. Let me just tell you, (laughs) do not do that. It will not end well. It It won't. It never does. It's happened twice. The first one I was like, I see you now. And the second one happened recently, and it was like, I was, I was pretty heartbroken, actually. But already I'm kind of turning the corner, and I'm like, I already see, I already see what's going on. And it, it doesn't, once you burn the relationships you've built that are strong, and you're mutually taking care of each other, and the way I see it as a retailer, you know, it's not just I pick up a brand that's sexy, it's you know, the first season, it's probably not going to work that great in the store. We got to train our customers. We got to show them how it fits. We got to go back to the designer and let them know what works and what doesn't. We have to build it together. And every season we grow it and the numbers grow and therefore our revenue grows and hopefully the sell through. And then we send out mailers and Instagram and 
it's part of our brand and it's part of our matrix and we're all super excited and I have PKs with the staff to <clears throat> let them know why the brand is special. I mean, there's more than just market and right, dollars. Order yeah, receiving. it's like heart, soul, passion. It's how we all eat. Like, you So know. if someone does, you know, as a designer, if you do sell to a brand down the street, and I, I mean, for sure at Tibby, it, it's happened, but if you do it, know that maybe it's because you're wanting to pivot into the other store. But if it's not because you want to pivot into the other store and out of the store that you're in, know that you do not get them both. You you don't. Like, you, you really don't. Because, again, you can see that, like, these women are um, living, breathing companies. You know, it's not just, like, um, letterheads and logos. Like, they're real people who are making money to support their families just like you are. So, you know, if you do decide to sell to the store down the street, make sure that you're doing it because you know that that store down the street is really the better store for you because you will lose the other store that you're in, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, the and this is what I always tell the designers, that's not my brand ethos. You know, you're not special anymore if you're in both both places. Now you're making us both a department store and it, that's not my concept. So so now we no longer align. And it's also like a break in the relationship. So I just, you know, no matter if I want to or not, the best thing for the brand is a hard cut and and you're right, it doesn't it doesn't go forward and, and probably never would again. Stacey, do you have any really good juicy stories about bad things <laughs> that people have done? I mean, I had a cat pee in a box one time before it. We have a very intimate warehouse. It's in Georgia, but I don't know if it's like that well, didn't go over I mean, well. vendor things like um, I mean, it goes back to the partnership thing. I've had um, it's this is actually happening right now. Um, I have a vendor who ships me from Europe, and they did not fill out the customs um, form correctly. And so it didn't pass customs. And that's not a big deal, but we did not hear that it didn't pass customs, so it bounced back to Europe. But then the package got lost from FedEx for two months. Did you, were you responsible for paying for the oh, whole order? Oh, I had already paid for it. And now the vendor wants to tell me that I need to take the goods in and they're all on sale. And this is somebody who I love and I believe in and I have bought the line forever. And I was like, I, you have your own stores. You can easily take this hit more than I can because you guys know, like, she can put it on markdown and still make money, not me. And they're digging their heels in so hardcore on this that I'm like, you know what? This is a brand that I truly have believed in from the beginning and probably not made any money on. And, and I'm like... And I had to check myself and my ego right now and say, this is not okay. We've crossed a boundary. For me, I paid you, believed in you when no one else did, and that's the same for you. And, and now it's the BBD, the bigger, better deal. And not this situation isn't because, believe me, no one in Charleston, South Carolina wants the stuff I carry, but, um, <laughs> but um, it's just that they think, well, that's not our problem. 
It's not our problem. And I believe in karma and being a good person and being like, hey, this sucks. And I spent so much time and energy myself tracking the package down and being like, what happened with this? Where did it go wrong? How can we change it? How did we mess up? What ownership do I have in the problem? Believe me, I know we're not like totally innocent in this, but what ownership do you have in the problem? And let's sit here and figure it out together. I'm not trying to screw you over, but don't just immediately come at me and be like, nope, I mean, nasty. You are taking it in. This is your fault. And I was like, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. And this is literally we're having a call. What's today? Wednesday? Tomorrow. So, you know, even having this conversation, what can I get out of tonight? For me, it reminds me to draw my boundaries, to stay strong, and that no one brand defines me or my my company. So it makes me sad um, because... I believed in them for so long, and I want that for myself and my customers. I want to carry it, but I can't do it if if it breaks our integrity. And it goes back again to the ego. The, the bigger, better deal for them, that designer being like, the reason they want to go to another store is they think they can make more money. And guess what? That store that they're going to go sell to has a big name or maybe a name on it, and they will drop them after two seasons. I've seen it happen for 13 years. And then they're going to come back crawling to you and be like, because it's happened to me, and say, oh my gosh, we're so sorry. I really want to be in your store. And you're going to be like, I'm so sorry that you made that choice because we all have choices and you made yours, you know? Mm-hmm. So and so I, it goes back to the ego. Yeah. And I think, you know, with that is that um, for, again, speaking from the company, the designer side is that you guys can see like the actual creation of the product and the designing of it, like, I mean, it's super important, but it's such a, it's, it's like at the end of the day, you can see what a small portion it is to like keeping the business. So, you know, I really like when you are starting out, um, you gotta, you know, it's not just about like designing the perfect gray suit. It's about producing it and then fitting it and shipping it. And then, making sure that it sells and that you've done everything that you can and that, you know, you just keep the cycle going. And, um, and so I know that it's like really stressful and I just tell designers all the time, like just, um, you know, take it one day at a time and take it slowly. You, you really, you know, the, the best advice that I ever got when I started out was a guy who said, if you get a $100,000 order from Bloomingdale's tomorrow, right when you've started out, turn it down unless you can afford to, like, take every cent of it back. And, um, and he was so right. And, and luckily, I never, like, had to learn it, like, outright. It was, like, I'd learn later on, like, he's so right. That would have put me out of business when I first started. I wasn't ready. I didn't have the fits nailed down. I really needed these smaller uh, stores that believed in me and were willing to work with me. And, um, but just take it slow. Cause I know for other young designers, you're not like laying in bed thinking, God, I hope these guys from Kelwood and these horrible suits own me one day and tell me what to do every day with my money. Like, that's not what you're, like, looking for. So I promise, like, don't look for the shoot-up. Like, take it slow. Learn from each day. Learn from really good people that you're working with. And, um, you know, stay independent so you can stay creative and great. And I would also add to that, don't feel the pressure to... Do four 
eight collections a year, four collections a year? Because I know that there is so much pressure to have newness, have all of these deliveries. You don't necessarily need that. You don't need that. The stores, we always love freshness, but I think for new designers, take your time and learn. Learn for, when you get product into the store, talk to the stores. Stay in constant communication with the stores. Understand about the fit. Who's wearing your product? I mean, we communicate with our designers all the time. We're like, such and such is buying this for this event. Um, and it doesn't even be an event. Um, Learn who the customer is who is buying your product. It will help you when you're designing for future seasons. But you don't need to feel the pressure to just, you know, have collection after collection after collection so many times a year. Yeah, don't, do not buy into that at all, don't. seriously. Like, when those stores come to you and they're like, our customers want newness on a weekly basis, like, they don't. They don't like spend time, really understand what it is that you're creating, keep loving it, love it on your own Instagram channels, you know, nurture it and like grow. grow. So it's someone's like really passionate yeah. about it. And, and that's a way to build that business. How much are you guys using um, e-commerce to get the word out? I know Stacy, you're like crazyville on, on e-com and selling to you're selling to Korea and all over the world, like all different customers that, you know, out of Charleston. I, um, so we're revamping our website. It will be up next January. Um, but I came from the background of like brick and mortar stores, the customer coming in, touching and feeling, working with the customer, hands on. So that's really and truly my love and what I love to do with the women who are coming in. Um, but I also realize how important it is to have a global reach. So I've had to invest in it. It's just something that um, I've, it's taken me a little bit of time to wrap my head around. And, um, but I know that it's important because we have brands that people want all over the world um, and they can't get to Oakland. I find that social media has been a great vehicle for us, uh, particularly Instagram, because we have people, our customers are so engaged and um, they're DMing us, they want product from us, and we're using Instagram more than anything from a digital standpoint. Um, we re reinvested in our website. Our new website is going to launch, according, according to me, every week. We're launching. Everyone, get ready, we're launching. It has been two years. It was supposed to take a year, so that's where we are. Um, and it's just, it, the whole thing is one big learning lesson, but, um, hopefully it'll be amazing. I hope I still like what I decided on yeah. two years ago. That's one of the challenges of websites, but, um, the website for me has stayed consistent for quite a while. Our brick and mortars do way more revenue than our website. And, you know, I know national trends say that everything's headed in a different direction. But for us, <laughs> our brick and mortar, I mean, our, our um, website is not growing like our brick and mortar is. But you, you guys are both nodding. Is that the same for you as well? Like, yeah. you in the middle are different, but yeah. you're really mortar, brick and mortars. Hands yeah, hands down. The, the website was kind of growing leaps and bounds. And then in 2019... It started slowing down. I have no idea why. We look at it all the time. Um, and then now it's picking back up again. 
But you know, it's a it's definitely revenue that is impactful and meaningful to the brand, and something that I put a lot of resources in, both financial and creative, and it's like a third entity. Um, but it's an area that I feel that we can really grow in. I mean, I still think we can grow in our brick and mortar. In Austin, we um, opened 5,000 square feet in 2016 and then simultaneously opened Houston in 2016. So I feel like there is growth there still. Um, but the website, as everyone know, is worldwide. We have international orders as well. But it's something that, you know, I mean, I don't know how y'all feel. I One of the questions that, that I read from you, Amy, was that, we should talk about what we all kind of mutually wish we talked about together, but don't have a forum to do so. And for me, one of those things is constant sales. Like I wish this industry had more integrity around that. And I feel that it's just driving everyone's bottom line down. I feel like it's watering down the brands, you know, in Europe, there are limitations around it. You can't break sale until this day. And if you do, brands are like, you can't carry me. And I really like that model, but all the sign up and get 15 off and then, you know, 20% off for a flash sale and all these things online you just are hurting. And, and by the way, it's hurting the brands that are doing it. Like I have all kinds of, of, of suspicions about why Barney's closed, but who is it helping? You know, it, it's teaching the customer the wrong thing. It's watering down my brand. It's watering down your brand. So I, I find that it's very hard to compete with these, you know, Net-a-Porter's and Neiman Marcus's and Barney's and, and even the competition amongst brands I carry in at Kickpleat you know, customers are like, well, I'll get these shoes, but if I sign up on their website, mm -hmm. I get 20 off. Yeah. Well, it's, and they're at the register, and it's like, they don't, they would have bought them. You know, what are we doing? No. No. Because I, I, I just think it's the wrong, it's the wrong lesson, and, you know, there are instances I do honor. The instance where I honor it is if everyone's broken sale, and I'm at 40, I mean, I'm at 30 and they're at 40, fine. Like, okay, I, I missed that one, you know, but um, but I I don't want to teach that. You know, yeah, retailers I, need the full season yeah. to make, you know, everyone, the saying is retailers get in the black and Q4, you know, and if you're constantly just nipping off that margin, which is already incredibly low, for retailers, I, I think it's hurting everyone. So that I kind of went on a different direction, but um, our online, I think, is negatively negatively affected by some of these sales, and um, it's an area that's growing. But I think we need to get a handle on on what we're doing to each other because it's not helping. And it's the um, department stores are the ones that do it. And I don't know how far along some people are in their journey with um, starting their collection. But 
having worked at a department store, they demand for most brands like a 10% discount right off the rip. And then if you ship a box and put the wrong tape color on it, you're going to you're going to get a charge back and you're going to be charged for that. So they make it going back to Amy's point of the $100,000 Bloomingdale order, it's very hard for you to end up making money based on the demands they have in order to even want to carry your product. So yeah, yeah, how much me, are they really a partner? Yeah, let, let and me And then they're marking it down within 6 weeks. Yeah, let me say here, I think that um Again, like when I was saying earlier, like when you're choosing stores that you're working with, and and I know when you're starting out, you're like, oh my God, I just want them if they want me. I don't get to choose them. But you really have to, you know, way back in the day when we were working with Bloomingdale's, I remember we had a meeting and they were like, we're going to review your profitability. And we had just hired this new CFO and I was like, we're going to review your profitability. And I remember we brought in, we had a sheet that said that I would have been better off not to have shipped them one thing and just given them 20 cents for every single dollar that they bought because I was charged for fraud. I was charged for, you know, like what they do is they take every single thing in the department and then they portion it out. So, you know, for every crappy like Alice and Olivia dress that was sent out and like stolen by some, you know, 13 year old, like wanting to wear it and return it. Like I was being charged part of that back. So, you know, you really, um, I just think, you know, when you're starting out and your team is so lean again, like stay focused, stay one day at a time. You've got to read the fine print. You've got to see, it is true. Like if that you know, their measurements, if your return label is two inches to the left and it should have been two inches to the right, you'll get $25 penalty for every box that goes to Neiman Marcus that doesn't have that label in the right area. So, um, you know, don't like really like peel that onion back and understand who you're working with and, and what you know, make sure if you're, I mean, we, we've got great department stores that I work with and we get lots of benefit out of them, but there were others that we didn't. And, and they will buy everything. And then at the end of the season, if, because the lazy buyers have just bought everything in the showroom, I mean, <laughs> right? I mean, they're late. I mean, we've seen them. They bought everything. <laughs> And yeah. then you ship it, and at the end of the season, if it doesn't sell, they're sending it right back to you. And they're saying, I'm sorry, it didn't work. And it's like, well, if you had actually thought about what you're buying and thought about your customer, then maybe you wouldn't have so much merchandise in trying to send it back to the customer or to the, store, to the designers, right? And just another note on, on sale, because it just, I, I, I don't like sale. And Alex is here, and she knows I always cringe when it's sale time. Um, I think we're just we're 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 telling the customer that at one point in the season that something's worth a thousand dollars, and then eight weeks later we're saying, mm, sorry, actually it's not. It's worth forty percent less. And then a few weeks later we're telling them that it's only worth half of that. And then again it's like seventy percent of that. So what are we really telling the customer about the product that they're buying? that it doesn't have this it doesn't have a value it doesn't have the value that we're saying it has when we're bringing it in 
Um, I just think the whole sale model, we don't tend to mark down until later and we don't, like we don't really play into that game. We don't follow the department stores. We mark down what we, mar what we want to mark down. I mean, I'm not going through and seeing what, you know, Net-A-Porte Net or Nordstrom is marking down. We go through our product, our sell-through reports. We're looking at every single thing, and we're like, okay, maybe we'll mark this style down. But I'm not taking a whole collection's pre-fall or fall collection when it's cold outside. I'm not marking down winter coats. We don't have coats on sale. Um, it just doesn't make sense. No, and it, and it physically can't. And I think that's the thing, again, like really understanding that these, um, these are real human beings who are running businesses. And, you know, if they are being forced to mark things down, you have, you have to make money because it is how you pay your employees. It's how you pay your rent. It's how you pay your overhead. Um, and so... You know, really, like, we're all in this together. And I think that, you know, for us at Tibby, the markdown thing is a massive challenge. And really, you know, figuring out what can we do that um, is special for the boutiques that keeps you guys away from that kind of bloodbath that's, that happens out there. And, um, and again, just for young designers and even a reminder to myself, and we have our whole team here back there who's like, oh, shit, Amy, what are you committing to? But um, <laughs> but you really, you know, we're all, we're all in this together. And if you guys don't survive, we don't survive. And this markdown. Uh, Can I tell you my hope? My hope is that, and I do get this from a couple of designers. They say, you can. we're marking down on this day 40 off or 30 off, whatever it is. And if I see it marked down more or before then, you can't carry my line. And um, of course there's going to be accidents. Like there's carryover styles, don't mark these down and we'll accidentally, you know, and so I'm informed by a designer and I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Okay, I didn't realize that. I'll take it off. Of course that's going to happen. But I, my hope is that designers inform the retailers and they will say there's no... You can't include them in flash sales either because I know, you know, hopefully most of the brands I carry aren't everywhere. So, you know, that's positive. I will say um, that there are a lot of specialty stores with websites that are doing the same thing now. And it's a real bummer because um, it's, again, hurting everyone, I think. So my hope for all the designers out there is that you send a boundary and it's really about self-esteem. You know, that's kind of something I've learned in 16 years. Like, there's, it's like you said, Amy, there's a lot of times in my history where I've thought, oh, but I really want it. Maybe I'll just take this abuse a little longer, you know. <laughs> but that never works out. You know, I think if you have boundaries, you're respect respected more. Safe, healthy ones, right? Like, not coming out guns a-blazing. But... Um, but if you're if if it's for the good of everyone and you've got a hard yes and no, then I think that you're gonna look stronger, you know, you're gonna be a better partner, everyone's gonna thrive because of it. Thank you. All right, before Courtney comes over and like taps me, well, she's already like giving me the look from back there. Um, we're gonna open it up for questions. Is that oh okay, okay. <laughs> All right, so in the black first and then you in the Mossy green, fabulous blazer. Next. 
Not that yours isn't fabulous. <laughs> Unless you bought it on sale and not at one of these three places. <laughs> then we hate it, but. Quite sure to be. So I wanted to ask, as like designers that are working with brands, can we ask what the markdown strategy is for your brand? Like, how do we initiate that conversation so that we don't end up with like, you know, you're marking down products slower than what we would have or sooner than what we would have done? So you're asking like when when do you plan on like breaking for sale for spring or whatever? I think there are obvious dates in the industry now. I'd be curious to know what you guys think. And one of them is a Black Friday. And the other one, which by the way is early. It's it's now plenty early. We don't need to do October, yeah, it's like guys. Black like October 20 Yeah, whatever. like Black Friday is plenty early. Um, and the end of May is now what I see. So, so there's those two trends happening. I don't mark down in between them. Doesn't need to be any earlier. And I find, and I don't know if y'all agree, but designer marks down 40 off first markdown and everyone else marks 30. I don't know what y'all think, but that's the trend that I've been seeing lately. I get 40. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just what I've done, and I feel like it is about training your customer, and that's what we've historically done. So um, I always stay true to that. But also, I get suggested markdown cadences from a ton of designers and take that into account because um, I feel like at the volume we're doing, if I don't sell it right then and, and already at the 40, um, then I'm going to miss out on those sales. And the 40 is my last-ditch effort to make that slim, itty-bitty margin <laughs> to try and, you know, pay the bills. So, um, so I, but I don't do any friends and family. I don't do anything like that um, for customers. And, um, yeah, really pisses me we off. We do a friends and family. Do. We let our customers know three days ahead of time, hey, homies, we're going sale on Friday. You get first dibs, and then it's like a madhouse. I that twenty-five off. That well, I think do what's in like the beginning of October. Oh, what's no, no, key no, no, no. too no, is that you're they really are friends and family. Yeah. I mean, you know when right. you get the email and you're like, yeah. oh, I think I like walked by your store and somehow you like <laughs> got my cell phone and now I'm your best friend and I'm like getting seventy percent off. Like, yeah. So. We have a very, it goes back to the e-commerce thing. We have a very different market because we're a town of only 500,000 people, but 4 million tourists a year. So um, we do have a different energy about like who's walking in our door every day and then how we stay connected with them. So going back to the e-commerce, it's, um, I'm always vocal and like, I don't mind sharing numbers. Like it's transactional value. It is 20% of our total volume is, happens online right now. Um, but our online business is up 137% the last year. So we just relaunched our website um, November 2nd. <laughs> um, I say that because I was like, I wanted it the first. And um, so, but, you know, there's a lag in that because Google has to crawl the new website and, and do all of that to get aggregate information and get us back on the Google search. But um, I've had a website since the day I opened, and this is the sixth time that I've redone our website. And the, like, fourth platform change um, over to a different, a totally different shopping cart. 
Um, I love tech. I think it's really fun. In my new store, I just put in a whole giant like kiosk iPad so that it's touch screen and clients can come in and touch um, the website and play around with it because um, actually 70% of our sales are outside the state of South Carolina. We don't actually do um, that much volume with clients who are local. So our friends and family, yes, there are some in Charleston, but people always say when I go to a market appointment, which actually another designer tip is like, know your customer when they come in. Don't be like, what's the Charleston girl going to wear? And I was like, Ugh, all right. You know, that's, um, you know, just say, who's your customer? Um, what do you need from me? You know, um, but yes, I'm, I'm sorry. That is really big. Like when, when these stores do come in, like, don't be like, and what is your conservative, cheesy customer like? Like, just, you know, really, like, you've got to, like, you just don't, everywhere around the world, there are amazing pockets of creative fabulousness. So just make sure that you're not like, and the average woman in Austin likes this kind of stuff. So just, of course, what was you're your selling question hot pink here? in South Carolina? I'm like, no, we're not. surrounding you, the department stores, the e-commerce brands, um, because there's so many mid-market brands also today, and you really have to filter through them. Do you find yourself for the business sake sometimes giving into that, and then after market saying, wow, you know, I really wasn't into this brand, but it sells? I tend to have blinders on. I, I, I like a little bit of blinders. I mean, I'll have designers go, you know, this store and... Maine or something. I don't know. And I'm like, no, I've never heard of it. Um, so I, um, because we do so many markets, I've got two young children running the business. It, it's not even necessarily an option. Like I, I'm full kick pleat and then don't look left and right a lot of times with other stores. Um, and I also think that other stores are so different than us. I mean, so many times designers will go, you have to pick this up. This is, this is the hot seller. And I'm like, no, that doesn't, I don't like it. It's not us. I don't get it. Um, did that answer your question? Yeah. yeah. Sherry, did you? Did no, you I, I agree. And sometimes I'll go in to see a designer and they'll say, do you know such and such just picked up this line? And I'm like, oh, okay, I really don't want it, you know? Um, so just, like, know, know your customer. So know the store that you want to carry your line. Um, know the brands that they carry. Know sort of the aesthetic and, you know, know what the designer is looking for. And ask those questions, especially if it's the first meeting. I think it's important to get to know, you know, the, the story. I mean, we're asking those questions, too. Like, I'm really curious about the story, how someone got started. Why are they passionate about this? And um, how are they producing? Like, what's important to them as a brand and making sure that that aligns with who we are as a company? Um, because we, we tend to carry a lot of, um, um, like, smaller, more emerging designers. I find that um, I get really excited about working with someone from the beginning and partnering with them and our customer learning who that person is. And um, I think that's really exciting to us. So we, we tend to carry a lot of smaller emerging. 
think that's what makes you, that's what we're even trying to get across is like, we're not looking at them because they're not setting the tone for us. We're setting the tone for them. We have a question over here. Sorry. Instagram. Instagram has been um, huge for us, especially over the last couple of years. There was a designer that I discovered. Uh, it's it's a, a designer from Lagos, and I found her actually at, at a showroom. Um, I discovered her, and then I went back the next season, and the collection wasn't there, so I messaged her through Instagram. Not Lisa, but Maki. <laughs> um, and I messaged her through Instagram, and then we started a relationship that way because she was across the world. Um, and then I just had her send samples of her collection, and then we picked up her line. I mean, it was, I fell in love with the collection. She came out. We did an event. Um, it was that, that simple. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Every single season. Always. Always. I pick up someone new probably every season. I, I, I'm always surprised by that fact, but it always ends up happening. You don't want you don't want to miss out. You don't wanna you don't wanna let a good thing go. So I always do. Yeah. And I don't think you can discount too, like good old fashioned word of mouth. Like, mm -hmm. you know, go out and put yourself out there and, and talk to other people. But it's not just talking about talking to the press, you know, they're not talking to us. <laughs> um, it's talking to like other showrooms or other designers, you know, what stores are you working with? Like, how can we work together to support each other? Um, but being out and narrowing, not keeping your focus so narrow to New York and thinking beyond just your surroundings and saying there are a million cool other stores out there that you can identify with and connect with. And it's not just, I'm only going to be successful if I get here. Um, but there are a million stores out there and, um, you have to take your own path. Um, but keep like, I saw a new brand today, like, but, and it was solely based on a relationship because I was like, I've worked with this guy. He told me he really wants me to go see it. And he has been loyal and a great friend to me. So I'm going to go, go see it because he asked me to. Pressed to find a new designer every season. I mean, if it happens, that's wonderful. But I don't look for a new designer every season. We have great designers in the store right now, and for me, I'm really focused on growing those brands. And you know, so there are some brands that you know we won't carry the next season um, after having the collection for a few years, and it doesn't work. We'll move on, um, and that leaves an opportunity for someone else. But, um, you know, I don't like to cram product in my store. I like product to breathe. I want product to be beautifully represented in the store. And um, that's really important for us. So if I don't find a new designer for pre-fall, I'm okay with that because we have great ones coming in for, for spring. And I really do emphasize with the three of these guys, you know, it really is like when you are reaching out to these stores, find what your common thread is with them because, like, as I'm looking, you know, down here, Wendy is, you know, her store is very much like that kind of Jill Sander Marnie Co. type store. You've got Rosie Asseline to R13 to Isabel Morant to, I mean, to like the most, like you said, Giambattista Valley, like insane 
top dress or whatever, and then you've got Roca and Kate and Proenza and brands like that. And so you guys all have these very three distinct personalities, but you know, when you're talking to them, really like tap into those commonalities that, that you think that, um, that you have with these stores. I see a hand. And I don't can't see a person, but I wrong. see a hand back. Don't, oh, don't, don't spell, spell our name, name wrong in the email. I can't tell you how many times I get a S-T-A-C-E-Y and I'm like, delete. Yeah. There's a hand way in the back there. Yeah. Um, for me, it happened kind of accidentally on purpose. I, you, Austin has a um, limited amount of amazing spaces for retail, and um, I was I clearly needed to grow in my previous location in order to keep up with revenue, keep up with the brands I wanted to carry in order to grow the brands in the store and grow to the level that we are growing. So I started looking around in Austin for bigger spaces and I found a couple of things and they felt, both of them fell through. All of my landlords coincidentally have been men who have inherited these spaces from like their great grandfather who bought them in the like 1800s that just own these downtown spaces. So just odd little coincidence, but um, so Sometimes working with these people can be difficult because they've never actually held down a job. You know, they just, like, have retail spaces all over town. Um, and so a couple things fell through for a couple of bad deals. And then suddenly I was like, well, maybe growing in Austin is not my thing. Maybe I'm growing in a different market. So I looked in Houston and Dallas, and we already had a, a customer base from both locations. And um, I looked in both markets, and the Houston thing happened in two seconds. It was like, whoa. It was like life was shoving me, and I had to decide within a week because the space wasn't going to be open anymore. And, and so I quickly made a call. And so, of course, right after I decided on Houston, the perfect space in Austin opened up, and suddenly I was doing the thing at the same time, and it was, you know, a very stressful time in life. But um, that's how I happened upon two different locations. But um, how about you guys? So I, when I opened Oakland in 2007, like, some people thought I was crazy because they were like, why Oakland? Why are you opening in Oakland and not San Francisco? Um, so in the beginning, I had to sort of prove that it was the right market um, for some of the designers. And still, they were like, well, you're not in San Francisco, so we don't really want to be in your store because we don't understand Oakland and it's kind of across the bridge and we don't really, we've heard too much about Oakland. We don't really understand it. Um, but we grew that business and, um, you know, like I said, the customer has been with us for a very long time. So we're very much community focused. We do um, a lot with organizations and um, that's really important for us and our brand. It's really about the community that we're in. Um, and really helping the community, working with women who are living and employed in the area. Um, and then Palo Alto happened just a couple, of, a couple of months ago. And I discovered that we had a client that was shopping with us through Instagram. 
Um, they hadn't been to the Oakland store because many times you just stay in the neighborhood that you, that you live in and you want to show, it's an hour drive. Um, and so Palo Alto is like Silicon Valley. So it's um, lots of, I mean, it's the tech world. And I found that there was no real shopping outside of the larger department stores. And I found this space and I was like, oh my God, this is, it's, it's supposed to happen. Um, and I found this beautiful space and it's in a center town and country. And then we opened a couple of months ago and um, it's been great. It's been really well received. and. It's just a completely new market, which excites me, kind of this tech world and understanding what that woman is wanting and she wants to revamp her look. Um, Amy was just out there, so we had a really good time. Yeah, 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 the woman, I mean, she was coming in and she was saying, you know, I work in tech and I don't want to be the only one who changes how I look. You know, I'm tired of wearing sweats and hoodies and denim and flip-flops. Um, so my friends and I have, we started this thing on Fridays called No Pan Fridays. Yeah, isn't that great? So, the, so they have decided that on Fridays they're wearing dresses or skirts, even if they're in their flip-flops, it was cute, they sent a picture. Um, they had on a Tibby skirt with the ring, the ring skirt, and then they had their sandals on. So slowly we're transitioning them to. <laughs> um, but we just have so many ideas around how we can really work with that customer because it's, it is a different customer than the one in Oakland. I mean, she is, she has very little time. She has, um, you know, she has money to spend on her wardrobe. She wants to look good. She has, she doesn't know how to go about doing that. So there's a lot of like hand holding, there's, um, it's gonna be really interesting. I'm excited about this, this market. And already we're doing well with Yara and with Tibby there. So it's, it's good. And then Stacey, you took over Charleston. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I opened February 5th, 2007 and in like 1400 square feet. And then the best thing that came out of the 2008 crash was real estate opened up. So I moved one block south. Um, I really was looking at traffic patterns and being like, so many people say they can't find me or they're not um, seeing where I am. And my father, who's in real estate, my husband, who's in real estate, said, you've lost your mind. And I, and I was like, no, I can get double the square footage for the same amount of rent. And, I'm gonna, and they were like, you honestly think this is going to make a difference in your business? And it doubled my business in one year. Just one block changing that. So that was, um, but I think the biggest thing, well, okay, wait. So then um, the biggest thing it was like is taking a leap of faith. And that's what Wendy was saying is like, we don't know. None of us have a crystal ball. Like uh, we're not over here. We're all self-funded. We don't have, we're not here because we have Daddy Warbucks behind us. We're here because um, we are authentic and we love what we do. And I don't think any one of the three of us are in this to make a billion dollars because Lord knows we would have chosen another career. Um, but we just literally want to do this because we want to just pay our bills, you know, enjoy our customers, support young designers and, and get to do what we want to do every day. So, um, and then, my landlord actually in that 2,800 square foot spot was walking through and I was like, what are you doing? And he was like, well, I'm going to show the space next door. And there had been this Russian jeweler next door and um, he'd been there for 17 years. And he was like, well, you wouldn't want the space, would you? And I was like, maybe. So then um, I took over the space in 2012 and um, grew to 4,200 square feet. 
And then in 2017, I actually shut down for three months and gutted both stores and really opened them up and connected them. And um, that was certainly a game changer in my business. And I just, I didn't like walking into my store anymore. You know, you talked about easy breezy. Like, I didn't feel good. I didn't feel inspired when I walked in there. And again, I didn't have a million dollars. I had to go take out a loan. And my husband's like, what are you doing again? Like, why are you doing this? And, um, and I was like, this is, I just know. I just know in my gut this is what I have to do. And then in 2017, I opened another store about five doors down. And it is all the kind of smaller Copenhagen designers. You know, I listen to my customer. And I think that's what we all do because we're actually in our stores. We're actually in our business, working in our business. And I listened to my customers say, so many people say, I'm too intimidated to come into Hamden. It's so expensive. And I was like, well, what if we took this nugget of designers that's less expensive and put them in a smaller space where people can just come and it's all their favorite designers in one store and they can shop it, get in, get out. And we've had so much success with that um, because they've really resonated and they're not intimidated. And it's opened us up to a whole new customer base. And then in, what are you wearing? Um, literally 10 days ago, I opened another 3,000 square feet um, next door to my shoe store. And, um, and then there's like 1,200 square feet upstairs. Um, and that was only because this space, there was a retailer who'd been there since 1942, and they retired. And I was like, told my husband, I was like, I'm going to take this space. And he was like, oh, my God. I stopped asking questions a long time ago. I was like, good. Stay in your corner. I'll stay in mine. And, um, and we just opened and, you know, one of the coolest things is Amy came down and actually flew her art director down to come and like walk the space. Cause I literally was like, again, we're on an Island and I'm like, I think this is what I'm supposed to do. I don't know. I'm scared to death. And, but everything I know is telling me I've got to do it. So I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I've got to do it. Well, you and know, I, and I think this will resonate whether you're, a young designer, whether you're a future store owner or just an entrepreneur or whatever, but people go out of business all the time because they lack conviction of their vision and the ability to follow it through. And I recommend everyone watch on, on Netflix. There's this uh, series called The Movies That Made Us. And they have a thing on um, how Dirty Dancing got started. And she had 42 rejections from all different studios. And the studio that ended up picking her up was a distributor of porn in Stanford, Connecticut, who actually believed that even if it was a pile of shit, that they could sell it if you had the right marketing around it. And, um, and so you don't need to do the porn video thing, but my, <laughs> my point being that when you, when you watch this movie and when you take from what they've all said here is that if you really, really believe in something and if you are super clear about that vision, then other people will know what your vision is and they can either agree with it or they can not agree with it, but they can actually know what they're agreeing or disagreeing with. But when you are just like a pile of milk, and, and which is like what so many of these department stores too are nowadays. They are just like milk it has no flavor. It's just blech. like you're nothing to everyone and you really need to be something for someone. And, and then you figure out what that is and then you multiply it out. And, and even if it doesn't, even if it's not massively huge, every day you wake up and you have this good life. 
Like, really, like, you're in Soho, you're looking at clothing all day, I see you guys in France, and you're looking at more clothing, and, like, life is good, like, really, you know, and so, um, just stick with what you believe in, I promise if you water it down, no one's going to know who you are, what's your question? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You have a ton. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. In the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't. Instagram. When I find a brand, it's more um, like you know. I don't know if you've heard the uh, expression like just put a lot of bullets in the air. That's kind of how I find brands. Wait, of, did you just say bullets in the air? Yeah, just put a lot of bullets in so the air. So Wendy's from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to hit something. That's an expression. Reminder. If you put a lot of bullets in the air, you're going to hit something. And um, I, I, I'm not a proponent of guns or anything, guys, but <laughs> it's an expression. She's not. <laughs> but um, it's kind of everywhere. A customer is very inspiring to me. Instagram might happen. My buying assistant is better at Instagram than I am. I always say she keeps me current. Um, I read. I look at Vogue. I ask a customer what shoe that is. I ask Amy what earring she's wearing, which the earring she's wearing now I've already bought for Kickplate. Um, you know, I'm inspired. Oh yes, girl! Oh. It just it just arrived. Oh, yeah! I'm so excited. <laughs> you know, there is there is. I, I, yeah, I, I try to really, truly uncover every rock and kind of have no humility about it. Um, but yeah, it comes from everywhere. So abs the, the answer to your question is absolutely, and it's, it's more about gut and inspiration. And if I see it, you know it when you see it. Yeah. Which markets do you guys go to? Uh, New York. New York, Paris. New York four times a year, Paris four times a year, um, Copenhagen, sometimes London, and soon uh, Lagos. I don't do any of uh, the, what are they called? The, um, the trade You're like, what are they called? <laughs> Did you black those out? <laughs> yeah. yeah, trade shows. I don't do any trade shows, do you? No. I used to. None. Yeah, in and, the beginning. And, you know, I would be more inclined to go to Trinoy in Paris above mm -hmm. uh, above everything, yeah. but I don't do that there. anymore. Yeah. But oh, just yeah, recently I thought, you know, maybe I need to walk one again. Not here, but in Paris. Because I've got a line that I carry that I just have always loved. It's not in a million places. And I was thinking about, and it's grown but it's not in a lot of places in the United States, about how I found it at Trinoy. And it's kind of like, you know, once you, you when, I feel like when you get to maybe where we are now, you have so many showroom appointments that there's not really the time to walk the shows, and they've also gotten kind of watered down, so I'm not compelled to go. But I also don't want to lose that edge, because when you, when you start out, I mean, I don't know how y'all feel, when you start out, you got to walk the shows, you got to watch out, walk every show, you better hustle, I mean, not that I'm not hustling now, I'm for sure hustling, but, um, and find something that's not at your neighbor's house, so you got to, you got to do that, and I was just kind of thinking, like, I think I need to try that again, like, you know, don't Maybe lose that. Maybe the three that. of us need to go together. 
That'd be I know. Fun. Yeah. 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 And just, just walk them. And then if the answer is no, the answer is no. But you, you're kind of able to see what's out there. I will say that I will see a designer if I'm at the store. And if a designer comes in and I have time, if I'm not in a meeting, I will take a meeting. If you have decided that you're going to come in and you want to see me, I will take the time to see you. If you have your product, I will see you. Um, so it may be something that you think about. I don't know. If, are you a designer? Yeah. You did? Was I there? No. You came. Thank you. Do you live here? Yeah. Sherry. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Thank you for coming. But if I was there, I would have seen you. Um, so I would just say for new designers, and that's not for all stores, that's just my personal thing. I just feel like if you have taken the time to come in and do the research to see who I am, this is a store that you want to learn about, then I will take a meeting. See, I'm the opposite. I'm like... <laughs> Sorry. I hate it. I hate it. You know why? Because I would say 99.9% .9 of the time they come in and they don't know my store. They just, um, there's no authenticity. They actually oddly even walk in and are like, tell me about your store. And I'm like, are you kidding right now? Like, you want me to stop what I'm doing and tell you about me? me I'm so confused. What's happening? And not like I didn't have 20 things else to do today, you know? Um, but it's not, it's not because I don't want to support you. I totally want to come see your stuff. It just is more about the way you approach it always that you're like, Hey, I, I know I'm invading. Could I come see you later tonight at six? Like a lot of them will not take no for an answer. I can't even get them out of the damn store. I'm like, I've already told you five times this brand that retails for $120 and is sold to a store down the street does not work for me. What are you doing here? You know? So if, but if it was a lovely person like you and you're like, I believe in your store and la la la. Yes. But, um, but uh, yeah. I, you know, it's funny because um, I have really seen a transition in my brand picking up more European lines and more designers from New York. It's not a conscious decision. It's, it's, I, I do find less in New York. And one of my very sage designers who happened to be here tonight, last market goes, God, I just feel like New York Fashion Week was just so JV this year. <laughs> And I kind of, it cracked me up. Um, and it, there is, she was, I, I felt she was correct. Um, and it's, I, I uh, there are some great New York designers that I still write and carry. The bummer is that it's like trying too hard or something to be um, edgy instead of like, let's dress women and things that they would like to wear and have a point of view, not for shock value but to, to have like a real point of view and a real DNA, something I can really sink my teeth into. Um, I mean, for my store in particular, I don't know about y'all store, but the price points are higher in, in the designers that I carry. And my woman is older, right? Like she's a woman who is gonna spend some money on some clothes and she wants to look amazing and when she wants to have it in her closet for a very long time. It's not fast fashion. It's not something that if they wear something a season and get rid of it, my brand's ruined. So 
that kind of thing for me does not work. And what I'm finding in Europe is beautiful clothing with a beautiful drape, with beautiful fabric that's well thought out, that goes with an entire collection that's got real meat at how I can dress a woman who's older of all body types. I mean, we don't just buy extra smalls and smalls. We buy full-size ranges. We buy things that women want to wear and look great in. And, of course, we want them to have of interest and all these things. So I find that it is harder to find that in New York, unfortunately. Um, And um, hopefully that will change. But at the end of the day, if you're designing and you're designing clothing that that is is more expensive, has a higher price point, which if you're a designer that's producing things ethically and things like that, you probably are, then um, you got to think of who can pay for it, who's going to wear it, what does she expect from it. Um, so many things, and I'm talking, you know, designers, and, and even the designer realm will design a garment, and I'll be at market, and I'm like, well, that's beautiful, but how does she wear a bra? Like, really, like, please have in mind, like, everyone wants to wear a bra, you know? <laughs> you know, at nobody... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, nobody is going to spend six fifty on a transparent dress. You know, like, I can't tell you how many times I've had that conversation. We crack up because we'll be like, well, what does she wear underneath? And they'll be like, this isn't sheer. And the rep will put her hand in, and I can see every, like, wrinkle in her hand. So, so you know, you got to think about the consumer and who really is wearing it. And it's not a fashion girl from New York going to the shows. It's... All kinds of Americans looking all different kinds of ways, you know. Um, so that's that's my why. I don't know about you guys. I feel like also uh, we've gotten so obs- maybe so obsessed with Instagram and press, and let's be real, the Kardashians have kind of ruined it. Um, so the idea, I think, when Alexander Wang and Rag and Boone and all these people were, were like it really was the coolest place to be. It was New York Fashion Week and our stores were open. Um, And I think they got so obsessed, again, with being cool and they lost touch with who their customer was. And they got, you know, Alexander Wang through the best after party and no one bought the damn collection, you know? It really, yeah, that's true. But um, it really does come back to that, that authenticity of, being authentic, I want to make awesome clothes for real women outside of New York City um, who are can afford to buy these clothes. So yes, I say we do not. Women outside of New York and LA do not are not twenty two with daddy's credit card spending three thousand dollars on a sheer dress. Like that just doesn't exist. Like, but isn't isn't that okay? Like, why do why does everybody have to look the same? Like, it's good that we all look different and want different things. And so I feel like they lost touch with the authenticity of we want to do this because we love fashion, not because we want to be famous. And that is the biggest thing. We'll just add to that. I'm I'm personally excited that there are more people of color, specifically black designers, that are being recognized in America and in CFDA. Chris is one of them who just won. Yay. Um, and, you know, and last year, Kirby won for Pierre Ma. So it's it's exciting that there's more recognition here in the States. Um, and as a woman of color, as a black woman, um, that really excites me because for so many years I have been searching for designers and it's been hard for me to find them. 
um, if they're like kind of crammed in a showroom or if I'm fine. But it's exciting that there are just there there's more talent that's being recognized here in the U.S. and we just need more of that and more support. And personally, our customers want that. They want to support the designers of color. They want to support female designers. Um, almost, I would say, probably 90% of the designers that we have in the store are, um, are women. And as of spring, we will have about 28, 30% of our designers uh, of color, which is very exciting. And it's something that has been like an organic shift over the years. Thank you. It's an organic shift over the years. It's also intentional, but it is just what's needed and what I want to see in the store. And I want to see more designers represented that, or that look like represent the world. So thank you guys. And I think that, um, I think to me, my biggest takeaway, like just from what you just said with that last statement is that, um, people care about who you are as a designer. It's no longer about what your jacket looks like and what your shirt looks like. It's about who you are as a designer and people care about who you are as a boutique owner as well. And I know that I want to support you guys and any boxes that have that like smiley face phallic symbol on it. I like <laughs> don't like treat like these are the, the, the real guys, you can walk in, you can touch the product in this store. They're real people. They're not middlemen. Um, you know, I, I just, um, so I think that that is the one positive thing that I see really happening out there is people can know who's behind the product, who's behind the store, and, um, and that's good. Very good. Thanks, guys. Thank you.